Awesome. I'm super excited to be here this morning and very, very excited to share about our awesome Jesus, about personal growth. Um, It's something that we're all doing, whether we know it or not. Um, But there is intentionality to get to where we want to go. What we put in, we're going to get out of it, right? And so we're going to talk a lot about that this morning. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, Mark touched on that already. So we're going to read that. But first of all, I want to, I want to just throw this out there. This is not a feel-good message. I love feel-good messages. I love to make you feel good. I love to make you leave and be like, oh, that was warm and fuzzy, and Carrie, Kara was funny, and the message was great, and that was really nice. And you may or may not get that today. I'll try to be funny. But mostly, you're going to leave and you're going to go, ugh, that doesn't feel very good. And I'm okay with that. Because God wants us to grow. Right? Growing never feels good. Being stretched never feels good. Being challenged never feels good. I can remember multiple times, mostly with my mom, because she had more patience than my dad, sitting me down and talking to me. Kara, you've got to do this, or you've got to do that. I really need to see growth in this area. Remember, we've talked about this. Blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, ugh. It's like painful, right? Maybe it was your coach. Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was a teacher who challenged you and stretched you. My hardest teacher in school was my fifth grade teacher, Miss Lear, and she was hard. We all prayed over summer that we wouldn't get her. And the list comes out, no, didn't want her. She's so mean. That year, I grew more that year than any other year. She was on me all year. But something about her, I knew that she believed in me, and I knew she wanted better for me. And she stretched me and challenged me, and that was my greatest greatest year of growth. So growing is good, so I just want you to just take a deep breath. It's going to be fine, and we're going to grow, okay? Sound good? All right. Let's see. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, this is in the New Living Translation. We're going to break that down. Mark already read it, but I feel like it's important to read it one more time so we kind of, it's just fresh on our mind. So now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come into such unity of the faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be, what? Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with their lies so clever that it sounds like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. One thing that immediately stands out to me is that we do this together. Did you guys catch that? As each part does its own special work, it helps the other part grow. I need you to help me grow. You need me to help you grow. We do it together. We come alongside each other. We encourage each other. We sharpen each other. We call each other out. 
I'm okay with that. I don't like it. And lots of you have come to me and said, Kara, that was really whatever. You you were really sharp with Acacia or you just, you seem like you're off. Is there something I can do? Is there something I can help you with? Yes, always. Right? We do this together. So at my work recently, we took a little personality test. Have you guys done those before? And they're all different. I've taken all sorts. But this one was called, I think it was color. I don't know what it was called, but it was like a color code. And so you took all, answered all these questions, and at the end you got colors. And typically you had two colors, but you had one main color. My main color was yellow. Yellow means fun. Everything I want to do, if it's not really fun, eh, I don't really want to do it. But we can do something really hard. We can build a platform. We can clean our house. We can do something that's not a great fun thing to do. But if we can make it fun, we can put on some fun music. I can have my fun friends or family with me. Or we can make an event. You're going to feed me after, something like that. I'm in. I'll do whatever it is. That's my personality. And so this message, it doesn't really tickle that part, right? It really doesn't make me feel like, oh, that's fun. It's really fun to grow and to, to do all these challenging things. However, it is really fun to look back and go, oh, I used to be over there and now I'm over here. I used to struggle with anger and frustration and you know, rage or whatever it is. And now, not so much. I used to blank and now I don't blank. Isn't that kind of fun? So there are parts of this. If you if you have a fun personality, or maybe you're like, I'm productive. i got to be productive. Whatever it is, I want you to hone in on that and see how God can use this to stretch you to grow. Is that okay? All right. So in the book of Ephesians, Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus. He wrote the letter to them, and he was imprisoned. Have you ever been imprisoned? You don't have to raise your hand. If you have... <laughs> I imagine you wouldn't be encouraging other people. If I were in prison, wah, 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 I would be like, this is horrible. Ah, I would be complaining about the food. I would be whining. I would be trying to figure out how to get out. I don't think I would be writing to letters to the churches saying, you guys got this. God is good. He's risen. He's gotcha. I don't know. But this is what Paul was doing. He was bringing insight. He was bringing encouragement. He was challenging and sharpening the church while he was in prison. Isn't that amazing? That's a whole other message, right? So God's tension was um, revealed in his letters for the church. So one, it was to form a body to express Christ's fullness on the earth. To form a body. We are one local church in one little town in one little state, right? There are multiple millions of little churches in little towns and little states and countries all over the world. And that is the body of Christ, the body of believers. Isn't that amazing that we're a part of that? So it was to form a body to express Christ's fullness on earth. The other thing is it was to unite people, to bring them together. And the third thing is we're going to focus on today, to equip, empower, and mature people to the end, to extend Christ's victory over evil. We are about his kingdom. If not, what's the point? You don't get paid to be a Christian. You don't get all these fuzzy things. It's actually really hard to serve God in this culture and in this time. And 
and it's not always warm and fuzzy. There's lots of fruits and lots of benefits. But you don't sign up and want to be a follower of Christ unless you want to be a follower of Christ. Right? You can join a club. You can do all that stuff. This isn't a club. This is the body of Christ following after him. So Ephesians is divided into two parts. The first part is kind of the believer's position. Paul breaks it down on who we actually are. So he says things like you're chosen, you're blameless, you're adopted, you're accepted, you're forgiven, you're predestined, you're sealed. So he's breaking it down. This is who you are. Remember who you are. And did you notice his identity did not change when he was in prison? I think sometimes we get in a season, we forget who we are. It gets really hard, and then we forget who we are. Or it gets really good, and we get all puffed up, and look at me. Paul, our identity is in him. It's not based on a season. It's not based on a title. It's not based on what we do. It's not based on how much money we make or where we live. It is based in him. The second part of Ephesians is about the believer's practice. What do we do? So the maturing process of the believer's equipping and appeal to help each other and to encourage each other to grow. Okay? Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into Ephesians 4. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this message, the message that Paul brought, the message that is your heart. Lord, that your desire is for us to not stay the same, but to change, to morph, to mold, to, um, to become new, to find freedom and life and liberty, joy. So God, would you just take my words And would you let them be yours, Lord? Just speak to us. Let us hear your voice. God, we want to grow. Whether we know it or not, we were destined and made to grow. So God, would you just expand our hearts, our minds. Lord, I pray that you would pour in everything that you want to pour in today. We just surrender to you. Say, have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, that we will be focusing on the next two weeks after this week, it's the believer's call to responsibility. Like I said, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> responsibility. We don't like that word, right? Sometimes you're like, ah. But it's a job. It's a responsibility. Why? Because we are children of the Most High King, and there is a part of it that we get to do. We get to do. I always tell my kids, you don't have to do it. You get to do it, right? We get to be a part of his kingdom. We get to share. We get to grow. We get to grab his hand and say, let's do this. The fact that he's asking us to do this with him is amazing, right? We get to do that. So let's break the verses down. So verse 11, he talks about the gifts that he gave, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. So that word equip means to mend, prepare, and enable for function. So our job as pastors is to help you prepare for function, prepare for life, prepare for ministry, prepare for parenting, or whatever it is that you do. We can't do it for you, nor would you want me to. I would mess it all up, because you got to do it. But it's to help you prepare, to help equip you. uh, Another word for that, or another definition, is a recovered wholeness as when a broken limb is set and mends. So think about maybe this has happened to you, or maybe it's happened to someone you know when they have a broken something, and they go in, and the doctor resets it and almost breaks it and puts it back into place. Painful, 
painful. But if they don't do that, what's going to happen to that bone? It's going to grow wrong, crooked, whatever, out of place. It won't have the right function because it'll be broken, right? And it will grow in that broken state. So equipping is like when God does that. He's putting it back into place. We get over here and God's like, oh, and you're like, ah, what the heck was that? And then you're like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. Have you ever done that? God up and calls you to move. He does something in your mind where you're like, you thought this one, then all of a sudden you're like, how did I think that all those years? This is right. And you just know in your spirit, like, this is right. That's God equipping. That's what the equipping does. A discovered function is when a physical member is properly operating. Isn't that great? Do you know when you're like settled in something and it's all right? It just feels good. It's properly operating. The New King James Version says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. So when God sets you into place, it's good for you, right? It feels good. It's good for you. It's right. That doesn't just benefit you. That's what I love about God. It benefits you. But it benefits every other single person that you touch in your whole life. I know when I'm in right standing with God and I'm functioning, I am a better mom. I am a better friend. I'm a better wife. I'm a better coworker Because I'm aligned with him. Right? You guys awake? Yeah, we're good? Okay. Verse 13. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. So that word trickery of men is kubie. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But it's like a game of dice. So it's all by chance. So you take the dice, you just toss them. Whatever happens, happens. Whatever dice fall, that's, that's just the way it is. So it denotes a man forming his religious opinions of what he thinks by just chance, by just the throw of a dice. So we don't want to be influenced by these teachings. Just eh, whatever, just by chance. So maybe that doesn't seem like that really pertains to you. But if you think about culture... Whatever's popular, oh, this is popular right now. Oh, this is what culture's doing. Oh, this is what Americans look like right now. Oh, this is what the current president believes or whatever. Oh, this is what my coworker said. You're going to base your thoughts and your life on that just by chance? Don't look at me crazy. You do it. I do it. We all do it. It sounds crazy. We do it. We as Christians who know the word, we still do it. It's trickery of men. It's just by chance. Oh, I fixed it. Hold on. Um, so as Christians, we don't just roll the dice and hope it works out, right? Well, I'll just try this. Oh, I'll just try that. Sometimes they call that the mosaic religion. We're like, oh, this kind of feels warm and fuzzy. And oh, this religion says that. And I like that. And this religion lets me do what I want. And this... That's not really what it is to be a follower of Christ, right? So it's not by that trickery of men. So verse 15 says, Instead, 
We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more, which tells me that it's a consistent, ongoing process. I'm not really ever going to arrive. I'm always growing, always growing, right? Um, So speaking the truth, more like Christ, who is the head of the church, head of the, he's the head, right, of the body of the church. So in here, I see three different things. In verse 13, it speaks to a growing in maturity. We will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We are to grow in maturity. Verse 14, we are to grow in stability. We will no longer be immature like a wave tossed to and from, back and forth, back and forth. I remember in high school, I was so back and forth. I love Jesus, and I'd like sell all my CDs, and then I would like do all this stuff, and I'm not going to do all this stuff. And then trickery of men, ah, just by chance. Then whatever came, and then I would just be like, okay, just kidding, I'm over here, and I'm doing this now. And then I would feel the conviction of the Lord, and I'd be like, okay, just kidding, I'm not doing any of that anymore. And then I was like, over here. And I was over. I just couldn't quite figure it out. I knew what my heart wanted. And I knew what God wanted, and I couldn't quite find that stability, right? That's verse 14. Verse 15 talks about integrity. We will speak the truth in love. Very key point right there, in love, growing more and more like Christ. So I love that part because that is how we sharpen each other and grow together, right? When Chris speaks truth to me in love, that helps me grow. When I speak truth to you in love, if I just pour out the truth and it's with a hardened heart or anger or bitterness or righteousness and I just throw it your way, you're probably not going to receive it. Therefore, you're not going to grow. So that doesn't help. It has to be in love, right? One to another. Um, Let's see. When there is progress in these areas individually, it results in the whole body's corporate growth and edifying of the church. I love that. I love that. When there is progress in these areas individually, it results in the whole body's corporate growth and edifying of the church. And this is where the enemy pisses me off. I'm just going to be honest. He fights every single one of us that we're not important. You're just Courtney. You're not important. You're, it's just, you know, just little old you over there. Nobody really cares. If you don't show up to church, or you don't do that Bible study, or you don't encourage your neighbor, you don't love, it's not a big deal. Nobody will, you're just one person. God took enough time to create me. I think he cares about me. He says I'm valuable and precious and chosen, and that I'm his. And if I'm his, he cares about me a, a lot, actually. And then when I begin to recognize my identity and I begin to choose him and I begin to grow, what happens? Then I'm like bubbling over on you. My encouragement, my um, good attitude, my hope, my, my love for Jesus, my passion, it begins to spill out on everybody I touch, everybody I come into contact with, which helps you grow. And when you do the same thing and you spill out on me, that helps me grow. And when we do that all over the world, and we're spilling out on our neighbors, and we're healing people down the street who are sick and didn't know there was a God who loved them, and we're struggling, when we're leading people to Jesus, guys, that's the body of Christ. That is the kingdom advancing. Amen? So you matter. 
I matter. This little church matters. Because that's the way God does it. That's his multiplication. Thanks, babe. Verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each one does its part, its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Right? There was a commentary on mature Christians that I like, so I'm going to read it. Christians must not be tossed to and fro like a ship rolling on the waves. He who embarks for the heavenly world must consider that the ocean on which he sails is subject to the changing wind and perilous storms. He must not promise himself smooth waters, soft gales, and clear skies, but go provided for all kinds of weather. The word of truth must be his compass and faith his pilot, Hope must be his anchor, and knowledge and good works his ballast. Prudence must keep the watch, and sober reason hold the helm. Thus he may sail with safety in all seasons. Christianity, living for Christ, following Christ, is not easy. It's not. It's actually kind of hard. And it's challenging. And in today's day and age... I think we have been the most comfortable generation of Christians that there have ever been. We are so stinking comfortable. We have the fancy chairs. We have the big buildings. We have the the heat when it's cold. We have all the stuff. We have all the luxuries. Anything we want to know about Jesus, we can just Google it. There's an app for that. There's so many things that make us comfortable, and it wants to tickle our ears and make us feel good which there's plenty of things in the Bible and about God that make you feel really good. However, there's also this part of God that wants to challenge us and shape us. Why? Because he's mean? Why? Because he loves us enough to change us. He loves us enough to move us. He loves us enough to say, I know you're here, sweetheart, but I want you here because there's something really cool that I want to do here and show you here. But the process from A to B isn't always the smooth sailing thing. And how many times does life get hard or a situation gets hard? We press into God and it gets hard. We lose our job or something happens relationally. We get sick and we're like, oh, must not be God. That's too hard. Have you done that before? I've done that before. It must not be God. Everything's going wrong. And we start backing up. Okay. Oh, that's comfortable. That's better. Everything settled down. I'm good. I'm going to just sit right here. We are not supposed to be comfortable Christians. We're not. We're not. If you're comfortable, get uncomfortable. Press in. And I'm not talking about a season of rest. God has rest for us. There are different seasons. But we should not just be sitting back being comfortable. And here's why, guys. Right outside these doors are people that don't know Jesus. Right next to your house are people that don't know Jesus. In your schools, Tali, there's kids in every single one of your classes that don't know Jesus. When you go to your workout class in the morning, when you, whatever you do, right next to you, right down your driveway, every single day, there is someone who doesn't know that love, who doesn't know that grace, who doesn't have the understanding that there's this Father who created them, who loves them. That's why you're not supposed to be comfortable. And when you grow in the things of God, 
you begin to get a perspective that's different. It's not about me. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I think Melody could use a touch from the Lord. I think my neighbor is hurting. I'm going to head over there and see if I can pray for them. All of a sudden, your perspective changes because you're maturing, right? All of our kids, when they're little, who's it about? It's all about them. And it should be. They're cute. They're awesome. But it's all about them. They have no idea that there's this big world out there and it's actually not about them at all. And that's okay. But once they begin to grow... Hopefully there's that transition from little to big where it's all about me. Oh, it's not actually all about me. What can I do for them, right? So think about everything. Think about humanity. We were made to grow. Nobody stays this big. Nobody stays two and cute. Nobody stays three and four. As long as they get food and water, they grow, right? God made us to grow. What about plants? Vegetation. Does it grow? Gross. Think about all the things that live in the ocean. Do they grow? They grow. All the things that walk on the land, they grow. God is a God of growth. He created us to grow. How many times have you gotten so frustrated with your life and then you realized, it's because I'm not growing. It's like we get bored and discontented and we're like, ugh. It's because God created us to grow. We're supposed to move forward. So the church is the vehicle that God has chose to advance his kingdom. We are the church. Say, I am the church. I am the church. The church is not this building. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church. And when we leave, the church goes, right? We are the church, so we are going out, right? So we have to be mature individually so that we can be mature corporately, so the body of Christ can be healthy. He is coming back for a mature bride. And that means each one of us that are followers of Christ have the opportunity to become more and more like him, what it said in Ephesians, right? More and more like him. So real quick, we've got four quick things. How do we do that? How do we grow and mature as Christians? Four things. One, know God's word. Number two, walk in the spirit. Number three, imitate Christ. And number four, increase your faith and trust in God. Okay? So the first one, know God's word. Increase your knowledge and understanding of God's word. Does everybody have a Bible? Everyone has a Bible app, right? Okay, there we go. On your phone, on your device, everyone has a Bible. Choose to believe what the Bible says over your feelings, your emotions, your situations, what your friends think. God's word is the truth. And sometimes I don't like it. I read it and I'm like, ugh, I don't like that. Either it's hard or I don't understand or it's God's word. It's true. So I'm going to choose to align myself with the word. I'm not going to ask God to align himself with me or read the word and change it around so it fits me. No, I need to align myself with the word of God. Understand that the word brings life. Discipline, correction, all of that stuff sounds so, we make it just this horrible thing, and it's not. It brings life. It brings life. I love it. Sometimes Mark, he doesn't say this as much, but when he youth pastored, his favorite word was challenge. And those teenagers, if he said, come here, Bobby, I want to challenge, they'd be like, no! They hated it, because that was his way of saying, I've got something to teach you. Sit down. i got to share something with you. I see something that God wants to do, right? But they learn to love it because 
it caused growth in their life, right? So when God says, come here, sit down, I want to tell you something, I want to show you something, and you're like, oh, I totally am doing that. I'm totally holding unforgiveness in my heart towards her. You have a choice. You get to stay in that place, or you get to align yourself with the word of God and do what he says and say, forgive that person, right? That causes growth. 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So we can break that down. We're running out of time, so I'm not going to. But all scripture is God-breathed. And that word rebuking or reproof is to show men their sins, to bring conviction. Repentance is a beautiful thing. When God brings something to your mind that you're doing, it's not to be like, you dumb person. Look at what you're... No. He's showing you because he's like, there's life over here and you're stuck over here. So I'm going to show you. I'm going to bring light to it so that you can come out of the darkness. Right? James 1, 23 and 24. For, any, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and does not and is not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. Right? We are not just supposed to be hearers of the word. We're supposed to be doers. And I do think that's a problem in our culture today. We hear so we, we have more information coming into our brains than we ever have in the history of mankind. Information overload. Right? So that information that's coming in, it really has to be the word of God because every day we're hearing what Instagram thinks, what the TV thinks, what our friends think, what the podcast think, what that article think. And then you're like, I don't I have no idea what I think. I'm so confused. <laughs> the word of God has to be coming in. Number two, walk in the spirit. When you walk in the spirit, you tend to have less sin. Have you ever thought of it that way? When you're walking in the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, when you're walking in the things of God, you tend not to have time to be doing all those other things. I'm not saying they're non-existent. They are. But when you're walking in the Spirit, you're loving on Jesus, you're walking in those things, you have a repentant heart and you love Him, it's so much easier to not do the other, right? You're pouring your energy into the Lord. So walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 and 18, it says, So then, walk in the Spirit. Do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is against the Spirit. They're contrary. The Spirit and the lust of the flesh, right? And you get to choose. Galatians 22:23. but the fruit of the Spirit. We just went over all these. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the one we all love. Right? Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. For you were once in darkness, but now, once you become a Christian, you are in the light. You are in the light of the Lord. So walk that way. Walk as children of the light. Colossians 1, 9 through 14. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, his wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, full of power, patience, long-suffering, joy, thanks. And it goes on to talk about the inheritance and about the kingdom, and it's about the forgiveness of sins. I love that scripture. That scripture is just, that like encapsulates Christianity, right? What we are to do. 
another way to walk in the Spirit is prayer. It's really hard to have a relationship with someone that you never talk to. Do you have a friend that's like out of town and you lose touch with them? Now it's easier because you've got all these ways you can keep in touch, right? Social media, FaceTime, all these things. Back in the day, if your friend moved away, you had to write them a letter. And you had to wait till they got the letter in the mail and you had to wait till they read it and would write you back and wait for it to come in the mail back to you. Friendships are strained when you can't talk to them, right? It's really hard to have a relationship with somebody that you don't talk to. Talk to him. Prayer isn't this thing that's just from one person to another. It's a conversation. We talk to him, he talks to us. It's constant, right? All day, every day. Number three, imitate Christ. Increase practice of Christ-like qualities. We imitate. So 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. So Paul was saying that. Imitate me, but not for the sake of that, because I imitate Christ. The minute Mark and I stop imitating Christ or your leadership, please say, um, hello. That's not Christ-like. Please, I'm, I'm telling you, please do that. Because we're not here to promote our agendas or to tell you what we think. We're here to promote and imitate him and him only. So imitate us if we're imitating Christ. And hopefully the people around you are like, wow, I just wanted to yell at that person and she just had total grace for that situation. Or he, he handled that with wisdom. That had to be God. That's amazing. Hebrews 6 1 says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works of faith towards God. So we're supposed to move in and mature in understanding. Grow up. We don't like to hear that, do we? <laughs> Grow up. And if if you're like me, I have areas that God has been speaking to me for years. And they're hard. And for a season, I'll get better at it. And then I forget about it because I'm not intentional. And next thing I know, God's like, Kara, grow up. You've been serving me a long time. I'm asking you to come over here because there's life over here. And this is what I have for you right here in this season. And then we get to choose. The good news about our God is gracious. The bad news about that is we know he's gracious and we take advantage of it. Right? We know he's gracious. So I'm like, well, I'll just keep doing this because it's easier and I'll talk to God about it on Tuesday. Or once I feel his conviction again, then I'll, you know, I'll figure that out later. But for now, this is comfortable or this is easy. Maybe he's asking you to do something that's out of your personality type, that's out of your comfort zone. Maybe he wants you to start a home group. Maybe he wants you to share the gospel with someone at work. Maybe he wants to change your parenting. And he wants to tweak something so that it's more effective. There's so many things, you guys. Think about it. What is he asking you to do? And are you doing what Mark said? And you're like, I won't. I can't. It's too hard. I won't. It's about the heart condition, right? And honestly, God, honestly, guys, God brings us along. He never just, like, kicks you over there. <laughs> he brings you along. He gently grabs your hand and says, come on, sweetie. Come on over. Come on, son. I got this. I go before you. I make the way. You got this. And he takes you along that journey, right? Second Peter 1, 5 through 9. 
But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be a guy at all, but I don't want to be that girl. (laughs) I don't want to be that girl who God gave me everything and redeemed me from everything and washed me of my sins and took me out of my old ways. And I forget and I'm entitled and I'm selfish and I'm not sharing what he gave me. I don't want to be that girl for one day. God is good and growing is hard and it's okay. So we are asking you individually to personally grow. It is your job just as it is my job to personally grow. In our culture, we wait for everybody else to tell us what to do, and we wait for everybody else to figure it out. We have got to take ownership of our walk with Christ and remember what he did. It's already paid. Remember who we are, that we are valued and loved and chosen, and walk in that. And when he stretches us, and he challenges us, and he kicks us in our booty, go, all right, It's hard, but I will. I will. And look around. You have so many people here to help you. There's so many resources for you. People back in the day didn't have resources. We have every kind of resource we could ever want, right? We have no excuses. The final one, number four, increase your faith and trust in God. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So your growth is up to you. When a kid grows, they don't get to choose because a lot of boys would be like, heck yeah, I'm 17 because they want to be tall, right? Or the girls would grow up quicker. Maybe the boys would not grow up quicker. I don't know. They'd stay a little, play with Legos. But we don't get to choose when you're growing naturally how fast or how slow you grow. You just grow. I remember JJ was shorter than Cadence for the longest time, and Cadence is younger, and JJ hated it. Anytime, see, he's still shaking his head. Anytime we'd go back to back, or people would be like, oh, Cadence is older, and Jordan would just roll his eyes and walk away like, seriously. He couldn't control it. He was as tall as he was. He couldn't do anything. And Cadence couldn't do anything about the fact that she was a little taller. And then one day, Jordan shot up, and now he's taller. They had no control over that, right? But our spiritual man, we have some control over how we grow. Have you ever met a Christian that got saved, and they just, two years later, like, oh my gosh, it seems like you've been serving God your whole life. They're full of wisdom, full of life, full of joy, living in the things of God. Why? Because they did these things. They walked with him. They walked in the spirit. They spent time in his word. They prayed. They did all those things to press into his heart because they wanted to grow. Amen? 
Amen. Would you just stand up with me, please? I'm going to pray over us. I imagine most of you, your heart is to grow. Can we take a poll? Raise your hand if you want to grow. You want your spiritual man. You want personal growth. I think all of us want that. Now, here's what gets tricky. God's going to ask you to do something this afternoon, and you're going to go, oh. Say yes. Say I will. I'll do it. I'll talk to the lady at Walgreens about you. It's fine. Or whatever it is. Don't resist the growth. Don't resist the correction. When God tells you you have bitterness in your heart, instead of going, no, I don't, go, okay, I didn't know that, Lord. Show me. Show me the bitterness in my heart. That's growth. Amen? Amen. Would you just extend your hands to your daddy? Father God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you love us enough to reach out and correct us and show us truth. God, you've given us you've given us your spirit first of all that speaks to us and guides us. You've given us your word that directs us. You've given us each other. And most of all, you've given us yourself. And God, I say I choose to grow. I say I will. I surrender. I hear you. God, would you just expand our hearts, expand our minds, expand our, perce- our perspective, our perception, expand all of it, Lord, so that we could better serve you and glorify your name and expand your kingdom. We recognize that we are here for us to love you and know you, but we are here for a bigger purpose. And it is about all of those people who don't know you, who need a touch, who need healing, who need love. And we will. Can we say that? We will. We will in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want prayer for this today, there will be people up here to pray with you. Like I said before, it is not a single journey. You are not a lone ranger trying to figure it out. We are the body of Christ. Whether you come here every Sunday and you're part of this local church or you're visiting, you are welcome. Okay? Let's do this together. Let's grow. And I would like to challenge you in this next week as God stretches you and invites you to grow, think of it as an invitation, not like you're in trouble. As those things happen and you begin to see the faithfulness of God, I would like you to share it at church. You can come up and share it. That encourages the body as we grow together. And as you see somebody grow, if I see Peter just growing in faithfulness, or I'm going to go tell him, Peter, I see you growing in this area. It's amazing. What does that do for him? He's like, yes, I've been working on that, or God's been doing that. Thank you. So as you see growth in each other, encourage each other. As you see the snake coming in the back door, tell your friend, hey, I just see the enemy's trying to do this, and I just see that God's trying to do this, and I just want to pray over you. And you guys are good at this already. Let's be the body. Let's encourage each other, and let's grow. Amen? Amen.